You are now listening to the MS podcast by Sanofi Genzyme. In this podcast, the brain takes center stage when Ole Petteriella, best-selling author and professional speaker, explores the different dimensions of MS and brain health through conversations with international specialists within neuroscience, psychology and physical activity. Understanding the mechanisms underlying progression in MS is a key element for developing and implementing effective treatment options for this disease. There is mounting evidence that predominantly in later MS, there is a diffuse, widespread, smoldering immunopathological process ongoing in the CNS. This diffuse pathology is tightly related to microglial overactivation and is associated with signs of neurodegeneration. In this episode, we will look closer at the role of microglial cells in MS. And to help us do that, we have the pleasure of having Finnish professor Laura Iras with us in the studio. She is a neurologist and neuroimmunologist, and in her clinical practice, she treats patients with MS and other neurodegenerative diseases, as well as leading several clinical trials focusing on MS. Hi, Laura. Thank you so much for joining us today from Finland. Hello. My pleasure. Let's start by talking a little bit about the role of microglial cells in general. Could you tell us a little bit about the role of microglial cells in healthy circumstances and subsequently what is happening when these cells become overactivated? Sure. So microglia are the primary immune cells of the central nervous system. So they are equivalent uh, of tissue macrophages in other tissues, such as the Kupfer cells in the liver or alveolar macrophages in the lung. So they make up about 10 to 15 percent of all cells uh, found within the brain, and they are distributed in all areas of the brain. So like other immune cells, they are very important for defending the central nervous system against intruders like microbes And they constantly patrol the brain for potential pathogens. And if they recognize a pathogen, they get activated and phagocytose or eat uh, this intruder. And in addition to this, they alert the rest of the immune system to come and take part in the defense troops against the microbial invasion. But beyond fighting against uh, pathogens and stimulating the immune system through release of cytokines, microglia also have important anti-inflammatory roles and they can decrease the immune reactions. So microglia come in many flavors or phenotypes with different and distinct functions depending on the local circumstances. Microglia that promote inflammation, they have been traditionally called M1 type microglia, whereas those that decrease inflammation and encourage tissue repair are called M2 microglia. However, we now know that this is a simplification. Uh, Microglia are extremely versatile and plastic, and they can undergo rapid changes depending on the conditions. So rather than having only a few distinct phenotypes, pro-inflammatory or anti-inflammatory, the research shows that there is a continuum of microglial phenotypes between the two extreme phenotypes, always depending on the local conditions of the brain. 
So in addition to defending the central nervous system against pathogens, microglia are also key cells in maintaining the normal tissue homeostasis in the central nervous system. So they clear rubbish and damaged cells and even unnecessary synapses, which is an important function for maintaining a healthy brain. So in fact, by doing this so-called synaptic pruning, microglia even have an important role in controlling the central nervous system wiring. So it it sounds like these microglial cells kind of have a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde role. Uh, they are essential for normal brain functioning, but when being overactivated, they can cause detrimental damage to the nerve cells. Exactly. So uh, under certain conditions, like in multiple sclerosis, the microglia can get overactivated and they can get stuck in this pro-inflammatory phenotype. So these uh, activated microglia release pro-inflammatory cytokines and inflammatory mediators, which then drive the inflammatory process and cause at the same time collateral damage, tissue damage to axons and neurons and oligodendrocytes. So it's harmful when the microglia get arrested in the pro-inflammatory phenotype, also because it prevents repair in the brain. Because, for example, remyelination is more successful in a non-inflammatory environment where the uh, debris has been cleared away. And of course, in addition, so under inflammatory conditions uh, such as in multiple sclerosis, inflammatory cells can also enter the brain from the periphery through the damaged blood-brain barrier. So in addition to lymphocytes, also monocytes enter the brain and they can be transformed into macrophages. And uh, these macrophages are then also associated with the focal inflammatory lesions and, and they also take part in phagocytosing the damaged myelin in the inflammatory lesions. And this microglial activation that we're going to talk about, it's also thought to play an important role in the pathogenesis of other neurodegenerative diseases like Alzheimer's disease and Parkinson's disease. Exactly. So uh, probably even if the triggers are different in these different neurodegenerative conditions, but the outcome can be the same in, in the sense that the microglial function is detrimental in a similar way in all of these conditions. Yeah, so it could be kind of like a final common pathway for uh, the death of the neurons. Exactly. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit more about these glial cells. Um, Could you tell us a little bit more about the known association between uh, microglial activation and these chronic active lesions, um, neurodegeneration and disability progression in MS? So it is now very well known that as multiple sclerosis advances, there is more and more microglial activation in the central nervous system, both in association with lesions and more widespreadly in the so-called normal appearing white matter. So this has been beautifully demonstrated in neuropathological studies and confirmed, for example, by our group using uh, in vivo PET imaging or positron emission tomography imaging in living patients. So we know that secondary progressive MS patients have more microglial activation, both diffusely in the normal appearing white matter 
and in the periplug area compared to relapsing remitting MS patients and healthy controls. So we also know that the innate immune cell activation is really a critical pathological element contributing to MS disease progression. The microglial activation is associated with uh, neurodegeneration and disability, and it's a significant contributor to the diffuse uh, smoldering pathology associated with this disease. If we look at the time course of uh, the disease course of MS, uh, how early in the stages of MS do you believe that these uh, microglial cells play an important role in the pathogenesis of the disease? Yes. So definitely in the neuropathological studies, the microglial activation is seen in the progressive phases of the disease. And uh, this is also what we see when we use the PET imaging. So there's clearly more microglial activation in the late disease. But we know that already in quite early relapsing, remitting MS, there are these um, chronic active lesions which have this dense uh, microglial uh, rim. And uh, and it's an indication that this cell type is already relevant in the MS pathogenesis in the earlier disease phase. So maybe I can also add that um, the innate immune cell activation seems to also have an impact on MS disease evolution at the earlier stages of the disease. There's a study from Imperial College London uh, which demonstrated that uh, higher microglial or macrophage activation increased the subsequent risk of clinically definite MS in patients with uh, clinically isolated syndrome during a two-year follow-up. So this patient uh, cohort is really in a very early stage of their disease. And I think uh, the the study really demonstrates that having higher innate immune cell activation at that very early stage is already bad news in terms of the later disease evolution. So it's something that really worth targeting already early on. You mentioned a little bit about these smoldering lesions, because this idea of chronic activation and compartmentalized neuroinflammation is quite a hot topic currently due to the ongoing research around these so-called smoldering lesions or rim lesions. Could you explain to the listener, in case they don't are not familiar with this term, what is a smoldering lesion? So in early disease, the adaptive immune system is in a particularly important role So the autoreactive immune cells traffic from the periphery into the central nervous system and form focal inflammatory lesions, and these cause the relapse symptoms. So in association with the focal lesions, there's always myelin damage and often axonal damage. For example, reflected as uh, increased uh, neurofilament light levels both in the cerebrospinal fluid and in, in the blood. Uh, But with time, these uh, acute lesions evolve into chronic lesions. And in many cases, the lesion-associated inflammation vanishes completely and the lesions become chronic inactive lesions. In some lucky situations, uh, remyelination happens and relatively little permanent damage remains. But in some cases, for reasons we don't understand very well yet, the inflammation persists in the chronic lesions. 
So in these cases, the inflammation is particularly at the edge of the lesion, and it manifests as a rim of activated microglia and macrophage cells. So if this is the case, the lesions are called chronic active lesions or smoldering lesions. So these are basically used as uh, synonyms. But these lesions can also be called slowly expanding lesions, because now we know that uh, it's these lesions that grow with time, and by growing they cause damage uh, to the surrounding uh, nervous tissue. So these uh, pro-inflammatory microglia that are at the edge of the smoldering lesions, so they take up iron from the brain tissue. And this iron can be used for MRI imaging. So now using certain MRI methods such as uh, uh, face imaging or quantitative susceptibility mapping or QSM imaging, iron can be visualized as uh, circles at the lesion edge. Importantly, also, uh, the the research of the iron rims has demonstrated an association with higher iron content and lesion expansion and more uh, severe disease course. So, as said, these smoldering lesions uh, will likely expand with time and the immune cells in them will cause neuronal damage to the surrounding brain tissue. Uh, which then uh, in turn will lead to disease progression. So this is uh, one of the core elements of the so-called smoldering pathology in MS. And it can be visualized in vivo either using TSPO PET imaging or iron rim MRI imaging. Yeah, so in these smoldering lesions, there is presence of microglial overactivation that you can see on your imaging studies. Exactly. Any ideas of um, why the microglial activation causes the nerve cell damage? Uh, Is it due to reactive oxygen species, oxidative stress? Yes, these reactive oxygen species and oxidative stress, but also actually the inflammatory cytokines that these uh, activated cells secrete, they are also harmful for the the axons and, and neurons. So it's a sort of a combination of these factors. Right. You talked a little bit about, about the TSPO PET imaging, and um, we know that the ability to identify and effectively manage patients who are at risk of disability progression, um, it appears to be a major unmet need. And currently, there are no widely applicable validated biomarker that predicts MS progression. How about this TSPO PET imaging uh, that you are using? Could you explain to us why this biomarker is of particular interest? Yes, sure. So we have studied um, MS patients using uh, PET or positron emission tomography imaging and a radioligand which binds to an 18 kilodalton translocator protein or TSPO. So this TSPO molecule is upregulated on activated microglia and macrophages. So by using the TSPO PET imaging, we can quantitate the degree of innate immune cell activation in MS brain in vivo in living patients. Using TSPO PET imaging, we can now assess the degree of the innate immune system activation in the brain in vivo. And we have shown that SPMS patients have more microglial activation than healthy controls or relapsing remitting patients. 
But uh, this TSPO PET imaging can also be used as a tool in predicting later disease progression. Because we have shown that uh, higher TSPO binding predicts greater likelihood of MS disease progression during uh, the following four years. Uh, if the patients are followed up um, and then reanalyzed after four years. So um, I think uh, this will impact how we treat MS patients um, in the future. This is very interesting. Could you say something about the potential of this uh, TSPO PET imaging for use in clinical practice treating MS patients? Maybe some of the promises and also challenges in using this method? Yes. So if we are thinking about clinical studies for progressive MS disease, so uh, I think one of the attractive targets for treatment of of progressive MS is uh, microglial activation. So if we could reduce this uh, harmful microglial activation, it would be beneficial for the uh, outcome of the the patients and and hopefully uh, slow down progression. So TSBO PET could become uh, a useful asset here. So it could be used, for example, for detecting or identifying the right patients for the trial. So so if we would know that all the patients who are entering the trial already have high amount of microglial activation in their brain when they enter the trial. So there's a greater likelihood for being able to demonstrate effective treatment outcome in in these trials. So this is one aspect. Then, of course, uh, the same applies uh, in the clinic. So if we know the nature of the pathology in in brain uh, of our patients, so we can then target also the treatments in a more uh, personalized way, because we know also at the moment that not every single patient will turn to secondary progression. So, so we could uh, target the treatments also to those patients who have a greater likelihood of progression. And this we could investigate using TSPO PET imaging. Has the TSPO uh, PET imaging is it used anywhere in routine clinical practice, or is it only experimental? At use the moment, at the moment, uh, it's it's mostly used in research. So uh, we are not quite uh, yet there that we would use it routinely in the clinical practice. But I think it will be possible at least in some centers. I think it gives us really uh, valuable additional information about the pathology going on in the patient's brain. There are definitely already ongoing studies in neurological conditions where the TSPO PET is used as an outcome marker, for example, in in some phase two studies. So I think uh, this will be the future also in, in the MS field. Yeah, so if you look a little bit into the future, this could be a really important tool for uh, monitoring disease progression, microglial activation. Absolutely. So understanding the role of microglial activation in relation to developing neurodegeneration and disease progression may provide a key to developing therapies to target progression-related neurodegeneration. Um, May I ask you to share your view on the potential implication for treating both relapsing and progressive forms of MS? Yes. 
So um, as our thinking is that already in early uh, relapsing remitting MS, there is probably some microglial activation going on. And, and this is, uh, of course, harmful also in the early disease. So probably if we would treat already early on with the microglial targeting drugs, this potentially could prevent uh, the, the axonal and neuronal damage and prevent progression. Of course, we have now quite uh, large numbers of patients worldwide who are already in the progressive phase of the disease, and we don't really have any good drugs to offer this patient group. So, so there's really great unmet need at the moment. So, so definitely targeting the, the microglia activation in the progressive uh, group is um or it will be interesting to see whether we can demonstrate benefits with the upcoming treatments. And that leads me to the next question, because existing treatments primarily affect peripheral adaptive immunity. What are your thoughts about new treatment approaches combining the peripheral and the CNS immunomodulation? Yes, I think the both sides of the coin are, are really important to take into account. So I think at all stages of MS, we need to keep the adaptive immune system under control. And at the same time, we need to target the, the ongoing diffuse smoldering inflammation ongoing in the central nervous system. So most of our present drugs work in the periphery and affect the peripheral immune system, but we need something that enters the brain and calms uh, the inflammation down within the brain. And rounding off here from this really exciting talk to Laura, could you give the clinicians listening a little bit of a summary or some key takeaways from the things we've been talking about today that they can take into their clinical practice now or in the future at least? So I think uh, important facts to remember are that uh, innate uh, immune cell activation is a critical pathological element that contributes to MS disease progression. And it increases as the disease uh, advances. So secondary progressive uh, MS patients have more of this innate immune cell activation than relapsing remitting patients. This innate immune cell activation in the brain can be measured using TSPO PET imaging and MRI sequences sensitive for iron. We have published a study in the Brain Journal that demonstrated that um, higher microglial activation predicted progression during the following four years. And uh, this study gives proof of concept that microglial activation is really an undesired phenomenon. At the moment, we are lacking treatments that would directly target the innate immune system, but such treatments would likely be beneficial for slowing down disease progression in MS. Well, thank you very much, Laura, for this nice uh, summary and key takeaways to our uh, listeners. And thank you so much for talking to us today about this fascinating topic uh, on the MS podcast. You're very welcome. It was my pleasure. Thank you for listening to the MS podcast by Sanofi Genzyme. 